it's also a story about our focus. And as we look at these verses today, verses 17 through 28, we're going to talk about how God shifts our focus. We're very easily taken off of what matters in life. Uh, we're, we're people that often have our focus shifted. Last night, I, uh, as I watched a particular basketball game, I was rooting for the Florida Gators. And I wanted the church to know that because I, uh, I, I hail from another place. And I, I was rooting for the Florida Gators for two reasons. One, because I'm starting to like them. Two, because it's so hard to be a preacher in Central Florida on a Sunday when the Gators lose anything on Saturday. <laughs> we are down in the dumps, thick in the muds in Central Florida when the Gators lose, it seems like. So I'm like, Lord, just help them pull it out so God's people will hear your word. <laughs> We're so easily uh, off focus on what's really important in life. Um, sometimes when I'm talking to my wife, Mrs. Lee, she has something serious to talk to me about, and we're looking, and, and, I, and I'm looking at her, and I'm just kind of, I start staring into her eyes, and she's wanting to talk to me about something about the kids, or this week she was really wanting my help with a note she was writing, Cliff, what do you think of this? And I'm just sort of gazing at her, she's like, hello, Cliff, <laughs> don't make goo-goo eyes at me right now, I, I, I really need your, we're easily off focus. And nothing could be more true in that arena than in our spiritual life. We're up one day because we're feeling good. Maybe we got an answer to prayer. Maybe there was a particular verse that hit us. And, and so God is good and everything's wonderful. And then the slightest temptation hits us about noon or a mild setback or a flat tire type of trial happens and everything is horrible all of a sudden and we are too busy to pray because we've got this this and this and this to do and then our spiritual life is off center and off focus well God is the great shifter of our focus and in this story we see several ways that God begins to shift our focus and the first one is found in verses 17 through 20. There was a king who, along with Nebuchadnezzar and with Belshazzar, we see a, another king, King Darius, that we looked at last week, that is in turmoil, and, and he is extremely restless. And we see on point number one on our outline, uh, once again, that God shifts our focus by using our restlessness. You see in verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the ring of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. In other words, he's going in the lion's den, and that is the last we'll see of him. He will be a huge meal for the lions, and that's the end of the sad story. And then, but it wasn't really over for the king because he took that with him. Uh, likely a heartless man that was used to throwing people in the lion's den. Uh, it says, Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Now, kings were used to being entertained nightly. Uh, they, 
all kinds of amusements and singers and dancers were brought before him. And nothing could seem to pep him up, get him in a better mood. Nothing could seem to turn his attention off what he might have done. And he tried to sleep and to no avail. It's interesting, he doesn't realize this, but Daniel is down in the lion's den, probably sleeping like a baby with a bunch of kitty cats that were meowing rather than growling. But here's the king in the nicest bed in the land with anything he wanted at his fingertips, and he could not get a wink. He's tossing and turning. And then in verse 19, it says, At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lion's den? There's anguish in his voice. There's restlessness in his heart. And he could not become calm in his own regard. Sometimes that's our problem as well. We allow trials to make us restless. And sometimes we might try to use entertainment to calm our spirits. And maybe one show after another has not done it. Do you realize that over-entertaining ourselves will make us more numb to spiritual truth and bored with life? We think it will pep us up and encourage us, but oftentimes it increases our restlessness, when, and, and when it, especially when it shifts our heart and our mind from its true focus. But in anguish, he wanted to know if God was able. He liked Daniel, and he was encouraged by Daniel's God because for whatever reason, it seemed to really work for Daniel. It made him into an excellent person. But something he didn't know about God was if he were bigger than lions. You notice in verse 20, he says, Is your, was your God able? Could he pull it off? And frankly, that's where some of us are in our spiritual life. We're really asking the hard question, maybe without asking it, but is God able to see me through my lion's den? And sometimes in the midst of our restlessness, our, the great lifter of our head that we're told about in Psalm 3, verse 3, shifts our focus onto him. Now, in verse 21 through 22, we have Daniel's response. His first words Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. He wanted to give credit to his God, and he wanted to know, hey, I didn't wrong you. God, yes, he was able. God has delivered me. He sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth, and by the way, I am innocent. I didn't pull any shenanigans like I was accused of by my co-workers. Now, I want to look at a couple different aspects of verse 21 and 22. Uh, first thing I want to say might surprise you a little bit about how God shifts our focus. And the, 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 the second principle is this. He shifts our focus by sometimes delivering us. By sometimes delivering us. Some of you are going, you know what, I think the sermon would be a little bit better if you said by always delivering us. And I agree, <laughs> it would be better. And maybe that's the takeaway you've gotten from the story of Daniel through the years. 
We all go through difficulties. We all are put in our, quote, lion's dens from time to time. But you be faithful, you pray to God, and right when that lion's about to open up his mouth, boom, God will deliver you. Matter of fact, this week I spoke at our chapel here on our campus with our preschool, and I was speaking to the room of three, four, and five-year-olds, and I've been talking to them about different aspects of Daniel. This week I spoke on Daniel and the lion's den, and I told them something along those lines, so to speak. I said, when we go through trouble, we can call upon our God and he will help us. Now, I didn't go through all of the theological loopholes with that principle with them. I didn't think a three-year-old needed for me to tell them, hey, but there's sometimes God may not deliver you. Huh? I just thought I would let their mommies and daddies tell them that in the future. But for you all, you look a little older than three, four, and five this morning, and I think you can handle it. And we know the truth of the scripture is that, yes, the answer is God able is absolutely. Will God always deliver us from our den of lions? Well, we know scripturally that there are times where God does and there are times where God doesn't. We also know it in life. When the writer of Hebrews was going through the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a reference to Daniel in verse 33. It says God delivered them from mouths of lions. But then in the next few verses, around 34 through 37, it lists a long, awful list of things happened to the people of faith. They were tortured. They were beaten. They were destroyed. Some of them martyred. And in this life, they weren't delivered from their dens of lions. Yes, God blessed them in the next life. But I, I want to shift our focus this morning is that sometimes we only focus on God if God delivers us and answers our prayer lot, right when we want Him to answer it, exactly how we want Him to answer it. Then we'll worship Him. But if he leaves us in the lion's den any longer than we want him to, we're all bent out of shape spiritually. This is an incredible story of how God did it. But we should not read into it that God always does it. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you in another way to be discerning when you read Christian authors and watch Christian television. Because there is a a thought, I wouldn't call it a new thought, but it's incredibly popular that you will have better circumstances if you have a better attitude. I'm a little conflicted when I occasionally look at Joel Olstein. Matter of fact, I saw him interviewed this week, and he is the nicest of guys. And I'm not against things he teaches that are true, but I can't help but be concerned when I hear some of what he says and Joyce, some of what Joyce Meyer says and some of what Kenneth Copeland says and, and uh, Derek Prince uh, or, or Joseph Prince because there's a popular thought in their teaching that says that your reality, your circumstances are created by your words. There's a little proof text such as Proverbs 18 verse 21 that says the tongue has the power of life and death and so if you speak something negative something negative will happen to you now i'm all for positive thinking and i'm an optimistic person by nature but scripturally we understand that god creates reality 
and that our circumstances are not brought on because we had a negative thought or confessed a negative word. Matter of fact, there's sometimes a read-in to scriptural characters, such as the paralytic who could not get to the waters of Bethsaida in John chapter 5. And Osteen says that he was thinking, I'm all alone, no one will help me, I can never be healed. And that's why he remained in his paralytic state, because words create our reality. I want you to know this morning that it's often God's plan for us, for reasons known to himself and likely for our spiritual growth, for us to be in the lion's den. Don't bear an unburdenable amount of guilt that you created this by your words. Oftentimes, yes, we create trials because of our disobedience. If we go out and get inebriated and get a DUI and get in an accident and cause all kinds of trouble, yes, we may have created that trial, but it wasn't because of something eerie that we spoke or thought that created our lion's den and we will remain there. God often, for reasons known to himself, has an incredibly good purpose for our den of lions. Some of you are going, can I have something a little bit positive right now? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Principle number three on your outline with that same list of verses is this. Yes, God shifts our focus by sometimes delivering us, but number three, but by always being with us. <laughs> sometimes he's going to say, I'm taking you out. That lion's mouth, boom, I'm closing. But regardless of whether God does or not, we can know one thing for sure, is that he will always be with us. And now, how the Bible movie depicted Daniel a moment ago, we have no idea if that were the case. But, uh, but the reason I liked that particular clip we saw is because the lions came toward him. I, my hunch is that's how it happened. That's what lions did. They were hungry, and this was their capital punishment. This was their, uh, this was their needle. This was their death chair, so to speak. That's how they got rid of people, and that's what they did. And, of course, the lions came toward him. And, of course, Daniel was probably trembling with fear, but God showed up, and he says in verse 22, his angel protected me. We don't know how it happened. We, we wish we knew more information. Is it similar to the story of uh, the fiery furnace in, in chapter 3 where the fourth man showed up in the fire? Could it have been a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ? Likely so, probably so. The text doesn't tell us all the information. The main thing we know is that God showed up in a powerful way and revealed his presence. And all of the maybes I gave us in point 2, I will come to you with absolute certainty in point 3, for us to cling to the hope that God promises that he would never leave us or forsake us. No matter if our location is in the heights or if it's in the depths of our own lion's den, our living God shows up. Do you remember that time in your life that was the most difficult? I spoke with a missionary this week that said, we are in deep waters but he said God is showing himself faithful think about the darkest time of your life when you were walking with God not the darkest time in your life when you weren't walking with God but those deep waters when you were walking with God how did you sense what what did you sense was going on in your relationship with Christ what you would likely tell me is this I've never been closer to God why because our faithful God reveals his presence in a powerful way right in the midst of our lion's den. 
He's always going to be with us. And I don't know what God will do with the specifics of your circumstances. But I do know that he will strengthen you and he will be with you. Now in verse 23 and 24, Daniel begins to reflect on what has happened. In verse 23 it says, The king was overjoyed and gave order to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. In verse 24 it says, At the king's command, the men who'd been falsely accused, Daniel, were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Well, we can't read into this text that they, that they were really full lions and were docile lions. They, these were extremely powerful lions. But the principle I want you to take from 23 and 24 about how God shifts our focus is number four, by giving us chances to trust him. Don't miss in verse 23, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. It's really mindful of once again, the story in Daniel 3 of the fiery furnace when the Hebrews came out of the fire and there was not a singe of their hair and there was no smell of smoke on them. God was so powerfully present in their life that the effects of their trial seemed not to stick with them. Now, also, it would be something that would be inspiring to us to overread into verse 23, and that's this. When you go through the trials of life, you won't be affected by them at all. The fact that no wounds were found on Daniel were simply because God physically protected him from the, lion, from the lions. It doesn't mean that sometimes the trials we go through make us limp. Yeah, sometimes they do, and we don't forget them. And sometimes our limp, like Jacob's limp after he wrestled with God, is a reminder of what God has brought us through. But the overwhelming point is that God shifts our focus by giving us more and more chances to trust him. Sometimes we look at the annoyances of life as huge inconveniences. And we are up in arms often with anger about why all these vexing things are coming down on our plate. Our focus is right when we can instead look at these as more opportunities to trust God you know those of you who have a great Christian friend or a a, a Christian spouse and you can open up and share your heart it's natural and understandable for us to share burdens and say this is bothering me and this is on me and this is really weighing me down you know the truth is some of that is is catharsic catharsis and healing and those kinds of things but when we can sometimes we phrase things and they continue to bother us one of the things in our phrasing to others that would really help our spiritual life is for us to say you know what god has given me new opportunities to trust him we have an opportunity to trust god with our kids I got an opportunity to trust God with my finances. We have an opportunity to trust God with this and this and this instead of all these trials are overwhelming me and knocking me down. And by the way, the story in verse 24 about the king throwing all of Daniel's enemies into the fire, it's an awful one to read, especially when it includes wives and children. And we should not say that Daniel was watching by smiling or was complicit with this. This is an out-of-control emotional king that in anger 
took care, so to speak, of the enemies of Daniel. But one thing it does teach us, the principle, that we don't have to get revenge on other people. That God is the one who avenges. That God is the one that can right wrongs and take care of us. At least that's something we can infer, even though the story in verse 24 is hard to swallow. Well, I believe that the height of the story is still to come. Because yes... (laughs) King Darius is a bit of an emotional wreck, but he's now charging his emotions at least with truth. In verse 25, it says, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land and said, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Now, let me first of all say that I don't believe in forced conversion. If, you read, if you've read any Christian history and read in the third century about Constantine's conversion to Christ and how he Christianized all of the Greeks and Romans, uh, we know that forced conversion doesn't work. And so we must not read in there that that's a good idea to have forced conversion. But I, I think it's interesting that the Lord has always had a desire for his people to take the gospel to the nations. When he picked Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, he sort of gave Abraham a global cause and said, through you, all nations will be blessed. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. You are God's chosen people, Israel. And, but it's through you that the nations, every tribe and tongue and people and language, are going to be blessed by understanding what it means to know the one true God. And so right here in this story of a, of a lion and protection and of a, of a great victory of God, we have God's cause to reach the nations given to us. And that's a fifth way that God shifts our focus, number five on your outline, by fulfilling his global cause. He wanted in verse 25 from people of every people's nation and men of every language everywhere, to know the one true God. Do you realize that God has given to you, he's given to us, he's given to our church, the great honor of being a part of his global plan to fulfill the nation, to take the gospel to the nations? Yes, he's called us to be a light to our community right here, and it's an honor for us to be that. But he's also given us the message that has not been named in many parts of the world. I won't forget people I've talked to before, even here and around the world, that have never even heard of Jesus Christ once. It's mind-boggling for us to think in our modern age that there's people that don't know about Jesus. Many may know of him what they've heard in a history book, but they've never heard the gospel in a way that they can understand. And you and I have been given a cause to do that. And that's why we pray for places we can't pronounce. That's why we go to places that are expensive. That's why we give, and that's why we hurt, and we want to be maximized for the cause of Jesus. My brother-in-law and sister uh, serve in North Africa, and I was praying for them this week, and I just wrote them a brief note. I'm praying for you, Morris and Alan, and I got a note back, and they work with the Somali people in the Horn of Africa and have seen such little fruit, and they've been there since 1994. They've been there since 93, off and on. They've been there forever, and they've seen so few people come to know Christ. And he wrote me and said, Cliff, after all these years of sowing, I'm getting reports that the Somalis are coming to Christ by the hundreds. You're not going to hear that on CNN or Fox News or anything, but there seems to be a people movement among folks 
that where it's a death warrant to respond to the gospel of Christ. God has a global cause and wants us to pray and give and go so that the nations might hear and be glad with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as King Darius continues, it says this, For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, and he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. He, he was just filled with passion for the greatness of who God was. And, and sometimes when our focus is off and, and shifted away from God, our God becomes extremely small. And the smallest trial takes us down. But the living God wants us to have a heart of focus on him. And when, we, when our focus is shifted back to God, what happens is, number six on your outline, he teaches us his greatness. Look at what he says. He, God is living. By the way, if you haven't seen that movie, God's Not Dead, I highly recommend it. This reminds us that God is indeed our living God. And Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, that we've placed our hope in the living God. And it said he endures forever. He is the uncaused cause, the God who has always been and always will be. His kingdom will not be destroyed. And verse 27, he's a savior God. He's rescued us. He rescued Daniel, and he's rescued us from the power of sin, the power of the enemy. As we close, look at verse 28. It says, So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now that's interesting. Because if you look at verse 17, he was placed in the dungeon, he was placed in the lion's den, and he, a rock was placed behind it. In other words, life's over. But in verse 28, God was prospering him. Are you a Daniel 6.17 Christian or a Daniel 6.28 Christian? Sometimes we're 6.17ers. It's all done. It's all over. <laughs> There's no hope. And we're just in this lion's den, and we're going to be chomped on by the enemy forever. And we sort of give up. But most people who read this story would have never even fathomed that there could be a Daniel 6.28, that he'd come out without a wound because God was so with him. We must believe by the grace of God that he is the one that works in the midst of the deepest darkness to accomplish something good for the sake of his name. I remember when I was enrolling in college and we had required courses and then we had electives. And uh, at, our, at our school, we had a bowling alley down below, and they had a PE class for bowling, and I enrolled in bowling. I, I don't know that I remember telling my parents about that, because that would have been a really bizarre thing to say that I went to college to get better at bowling, but it was a strange elective. It certainly did not correlate to any major. I was a Bible major, a history minor, and bowling certainly didn't help us in any way. It was an elective. So you were given maybe three or four electives, just whatever you wanted to study. And that's how scholarly and erudite I am that I studied bowling. Well, sometimes we view God, his cause, as sort of an elective. Not a required course. His greatness, his cause among the nations is optional. You know, believe in Jesus, go to heaven, yes. But take his glory to the ends of the earth and live for his greatness, that's an elective, that's optional. Listen, it's required course for believers this morning that we stand in awe of his greatness and that we allow God to shift the focus of our heart to him. As we consider this great passage, let's take a moment 
and bow together as we enter into a time of response. Living Lord, we humble ourselves before you and we come to this required course today of a heart that's shifted and it's focused to you. And we ask that you would be the center of a tension and affection in our lives. <clears throat> and we ask now as we enter into a time of response that you would draw people to your truth. Thank you that whoever believes in the Lord Jesus, as your word says, will be saved. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.